Welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Vivo, and I would like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Dr. Jinglin Rowana. An associate professor at York University holds a PhD from Lakehead University. Her expertise lies in the understanding of the complex pathway of risk and protective factors in adolescent mental health, particularly focusing on depression and emotion regulation. Today, we will be discussing the exciting news that on November 30, Canada will launch its nationwide crisis hotline, 988, which will provide free texting and phoning services to Canadians dealing with mental health issues. Let's get into today's conversation. Welcome, Dr. Rowana. Thank you, Vi, for that kind introduction. Thank you so much for taking out the time of your day to be here with us today. Um, to start off with our podcast, can you tell our listener a bit about your background and expertise in the field of psychology and mental health services? Sure. So I've been a trained clinical psychologist for about 20 years and have been in the college head role for about close to 10 years um, across the different responsibilities I have in teaching and research and administrative support. My priority of specialization is working with young people's mental health whether that's supporting peer leaders to get trained to support the well-being and mental health of their peers, to supporting graduate students and training them in clinical psychology, as well as supporting students specifically in my REACH lab, which focuses on emotion dysregulation among young people. And specifically, we look at how young people themselves regulate their emotions and how they may reach out to other people to regulate their emotions. I see. Thank you for that. I know that you have a lot of um, experience in this field of mental health services. So as you know that um, the new 9-8 health hotline is coming to Canada this uh, November, by November 30th. What are your initial thoughts on the introduction of the 9-8 health hotline in Canada, considering your experience in the field of mental health? Great question. I think it's a fantastic opportunity, and I'm happy to see the government investing in mental health services. I think a few things, one, to have such a brief number that individuals can type on their phone or call or text is really useful for people in crises. Um, It allows for a national system for people to reach out in crises. And because it's national, it gives people on the back end the opportunity to track and see what's happening across the country in terms of suicide and mental health crises so we can better understand the problem. But most importantly, it's wonderful to see that we have a platform that people can access for all ages, all communities to really, particularly after the pandemic, when we've seen an increase in mental health, that people can reach out and get access to services so easy. I see. I agree that uh, your point about accessibility and immediate help. So one of the primary goals of the NIA hotline is to make mental health services more accessible and provide immediate help. How do you see this impacting individuals seeking mental support in Canada, especially individuals in northern part of Canada? So I think in smaller communities where they may not have access to evidence-based health care, not because there's people who don't know how to do that, but there's actually a lack of people in those communities. So by providing a service that people can access, if their communities don't have that support or they don't feel comfortable accessing the support, by having an easy to use crisis hotline in those smaller communities, it's another resource they can reach out to. So teachers, school systems, administrators, universities, colleges, healthcare providers, hopefully will get trained on being 
on what the tool can be used, so the crisis line itself, and then share that information with those communities so they have another resource. And there's really no uh, disadvantage to having more resources in those communities. And um, I also noticed going on a bit of Sino. I also noticed uh, you tell about you talk about how another resources can benefit, especially in community. For example, um, such at York University, how do you think the nine and will benefit uh, undergrad from assessing mental services? Sure. So it's my understanding that the 988 hotline is available 24 hours a day. So right now there is no services in terms of crisis that is specific usually to universities where it's 24 hours a day. So it's useful to have that resources because we know that students might be stressed during the night, like during the evenings. Um, it could be available to faculty members and staff members. And often on university campuses, the resources that are emphasized are ones for students, even though faculty and staff often have resources too. But we don't often think of faculty and staff needing crisis support, but most definitely they do as well. So the benefit of this resource is that it's available for everybody to use. And hopefully then the people on the other side have training to deal with different ages and different problems that they may be encountering, the people who call. I see. Um, thank you for your um, point. And I also noticed you talk about stigma and stigma around mental health can be a barrier to seeking help. Um, how might the help hotline combat this stigma and encourage more individuals to reach out for support? You're completely right. There's a lot of stigma that faces people having mental health challenges, particularly in different communities. And because of that stigma, people are really reluctant to disclose that they're having mental health challenges or struggling with suicide. And we know from research that people often, if they are going to disclose, disclose to their friends and family, but a lot of people choose never to disclose that. So by having an anonymous hotline where people can call that's available across the entire country can be useful because hopefully it can encourage people to call and disclose what they're struggling with, but maybe also encourage them to talk to the resources in their community and to tell them and help them walk through what it's like to do a disclosure by sharing. You're not showing something bad about yourself. You're just trying to seek the services that you need. So I think Hopefully, in the long term, that can reduce some of the stigma that people feel by addressing that stigma when they call crisis services. So uh, from what I understand, it, you say uh, by first start with um, reaching out to the 9 help hotline will support long-term support for individuals that are facing challenges. So um, how can the hotline complement existing services in this regard? The hotline could do this, and I don't know if they are doing this, but one thing to think about is different languages. So Canada is a very diverse country and, increase, and becoming increasingly diverse, um, particularly in terms of languages. So it would be good that the hotline, if they have interpreters or translators, because that is something that's lacking in our mental health system, is the ability for people to come in. And if English is not their first language or French is not their first language or for their children, it's not their first language yet, if this crisis service can provide their services in numerous languages, and if they don't do that now, perhaps they can consider that for the future, that would be addressing a huge gap in our system. And just the fact that they would be offering 24-hour services across Canada is addressing a significant gap in our system. Uh, I also noticed uh, that you mentioned that um, the community also uh, get involved to support the success of potential success of this help hotline. So 
Uh, for example, you also mentioned that uh, peer leaders at university can also um, support this by spreading the word about these new services. Is there any other way where communities and ind individuals can get involved and support uh, the new NIA help hotline? So a big thing that we can do within our communities is provide training on it. So I think what we can do is create social media posting. We have newsletters that go out daily. So the more information people can come out and share about the new crisis hotline would be really useful and maybe targeting different communities in different ways. So maybe doing French translations, different cultural translations, um, having different um, advertisements for faculty and staff versus students or community members can be useful. So that essentially the more we have a communication campaign around the launch of it, and then reminders about people during stressful times of the year. And that could be during exam times. For example, international students may be more stressed out during the holidays because they're not with their families. So just trying to think of the different communities and what their stressor points are and trying to align kind of any kind of communication strategy with what's happening in the communities they're trying to target. And um, one another side question that related to everything you talked about, you sure. about how Canada have a large population yeah. of international students and people from a diverse background, mm -hmm. and also how um, Canada is a very multi-language multi country. Mm -hmm. So is there any unique challenges in Canada uh, or opportunity in Canada that you believe might affect the effectiveness of the hotline, particularly in addressing mental health issues? Overall, if you look at World Health Organization reports on Canada, Canada's children lag behind many developed countries. So our children have poorer mental health than lots of other countries around the world. So one suggestion I have is that if you have a crisis line supporting people in crises, you want to have good referral systems. So once they call, you can connect them with like a local community agency, um, a local nonprofit who may be specializing in mental health or finding their EAP, employee assistant program at their work. But if those resources are not effectively managed or well-resourced in the first place, then you don't really have good places to refer them. And then you have people reliance on a crisis line for more regular mental health. So in my mind, what you want to do is make sure that you have a fully comprehensive, well-working, well-oiled mental health system that supports people. So when they go this system, the crisis line, it's only being used for crisis and doesn't end up being used as something where if you're not in crisis, but you need counseling and you have no one else to talk to, you end up calling the crisis line, which is not what it's meant to be. So what you really need to do is think about a crisis line within the situation of the entire Canadian context. And overall, particularly around children and youth, we can be doing a lot more to support them better. Um, so I would say you need to really fund good children's mental health, one of which is this crisis line. And um, I also want to ask you regarding, since you mentioned uh, children and how um, WHO uh, mentioned about uh, children development in Canada, mm -hmm. do you think that helping this crisis help hotline, um, that is claimed to be controversial for all ages compared to another uh, mental health services such as kids help home mm -hmm. so do you prefer to have a controversial help online or do you think that um, having separate services for targeting each uh, audience will be better in supporting individual mental health yeah I'm not sure the right answer but what I would do is let the research dictate where you go so hopefully the 988 hotline is doing research to figure out 
who is calling, what age are they, and are their services effective for young people and adults and older adults, whoever their target population is. And then maybe connect with Kids Help Phone and see what their responses are like, what are their approval ratings like, what does their evaluation look like. And if you're finding that Kids Help Phone, just as an example, is doing a bit better for children and youth, then perhaps you narrow down the crisis line of 988 to be a more specific population. But again, we don't know for sure. So what I would do is do more long-term research and make sure you are analyzing the data as it comes in from the 988 crisis line, and then let the data decide and dictate what your decisions are to make better programming for Canadians. I see. Um, and one of the few last questions, looking to the future, what are your hopes and expectations for the impact of the health hotline on mental health services and accessibility in Canada? What I would love to see is an overall reduction in suicide rates and suicide, non-suicidal self-harm behaviors and having people have more awareness about this resource. So in my field, when I'm talking to students and if they come back to me and tell me they supported somebody in crisis, they actually mentioned this hotline. So I'd like to see more media awareness about it, more uptake about it, and then perhaps more information given back to the communities about the evaluation of a 988 hotline and how well did it used, was it used, and sharing that with Canadians can be useful, then we can think about continuing to support it as well. And um, lastly, what advice would you offer to our listener who may be considering reaching out to the 988 help hotline or seeking help for mental health issues in general? I would say you should feel very proud of yourself for considering to reach out. Often reaching out is the hardest thing to do in the very beginning, but hopefully if you don't have a close family friend or a close family member, somebody that you can reach out to, that this is another resource for you. And sometimes just taking a leap of faith and knowing on the other end that someone is there is caring and wants to talk to you and is well-trained. Sometimes our family members or our friends are not well-trained in these areas and they don't really know what to say to you but they can still be very supportive to you and maybe be there with you when you call. But I think um, what I would want people to know is that you're being brave and taking that first step. And it may not be the right step for you. Maybe it didn't work out the way you wanted to, but persevere and you will find the right mental health support that you need. Thank you, Dr. Rowana, for those insightful um, thoughts about uh, mental health services. And I agree that uh, I really appreciate your uh, word of advice to people who are thinking of getting help or just take that uh, leap of faith. I know it's hard to first reach out. And as you mentioned the point that sometimes reaching out to your close friend or close family member, they might not know what to do. So uh, seeking professional help is a way to go about um, personal issue or whatever is going on in their life. Thank you. the end of this episode with the trauma and mental health report podcast thanks for joining us connect with us at trauma.blog.yoyu.ca you can also find us on facebook x instagram or linkedin don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content see you at the next episode